welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved, belong, and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. Good morning, church. My name is Ann Jacob. And my name is Donna Pritchard. And we are delighted to welcome you all here to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church, both here in the room and online. Let's say hello to our friends online. Hello. This is our last Sunday before we enter uh, Holy Week with Palm Sunday next week. And so we are just delighted uh, to welcome you as we uh, go through the end of Lent. This morning, I invite you to connect with us through our Connect card. It's a QR code in the bulletin. If you're in the sanctuary, it's a physical card in the pews, and we invite you to fill it out, as well as let us know if you have any prayer concerns through the Connect cards that Pastor Donna and I can be holding you in prayer. Uh, if you have a young one with you and you haven't uh, signed them into Sunday school or registered them for the year, uh, know that during uh, the children's moment in, this, in the service, we invite you to fill out the Connect card and hand it to Deacon Aaron so that she may know who to return your child to. Friends, I invite you to rise in body or spirit for our call to worship. We come to worship the God of resurrection surprise, the God of endless possibilities. And, and we, we may, may not be prepared. Surprises can be unsettling. New life is always challenging. And, and we, we may, may not, not be, be prepared. prepared. Yet even now, we may fast from our excuses. Even now, we may feast on God's enthusiasm. Even now, we may be prepared, so let us worship. Friends, as we gather on the lands of uh, the Coast Salish people, I invite us to reconcile our hearts towards God and one another through the passing of the peace. If you are with us in the room, that might look like an elbow bump or a gesture from your heart or a hug if you and your partner are comfortable. If you're joining us online, uh, know that you are not alone. We are all here with you. And we invite you, if you have someone to turn to this morning, to turn and offer Christ's peace to them or to text or call a family member or friend and offer Christ's peace that way. Friends, the peace of Christ be with you all and also with you.
you to sit and I invite any of our young folks who'd like a moment up front to come join me. If we could sit on the floor right here. Yeah, I don't want the camera to catch you in wrong places. All right, girls, you want to come over, sit on the floor? Yeah, right here. Good job. Hi. All right, right here, right here. Perfect. Okay, can you come sit by Aria? Perfect. Good morning. It is so great to see you. How's everybody? Good. That's awesome. That's just what I like to hear. Y'all know we've been doing Lent for a little bit. Do you want to come up? We got room. Yeah. We've been doing Lent for the past, you want to count with me? What's this? One. 
five weeks. How many weeks? Five. And just like, just like our call to worship said, we're preparing for the great mystery of Easter. Excellent, guys. And sometimes, if you've been using some of our Lent chains or something, you've been doing stuff to help people. You've been taking a little bit more time to think, right? We've been learning some new words. Well, today, Pastor Donna's going to preach about feasting. That's a good word, right? We like that. On enthusiasm, which is a gift I think all of you have. Yeah. Did you guys like that song we just sang? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty exciting, right? Enthusiasm is about being excited and sharing that with other people. I think kids are awesome at helping everybody, look at all these people, at helping all of them to find some enthusiasm, right? So I hope this week you can share that with other people. Uh, Lent is 40 days which is a pretty long time, right? But you know what? During Lent, as we're counting our days, we don't count Sundays because Sundays are a celebration. That's why we come here. We celebrate God. We celebrate our community. We celebrate you. So to celebrate today, I thought I could get your enthusiasm up. Can you show me enthusiastic faces? Yeah, I've got some money in here because we're collecting money, right? We're going to buy some animals, but this, yep, this money is special. It's chocolate. So if you don't have an egg to fill, you got to get one because next week we're bringing them so that we can share our enthusiasm, we can share our joy, we can share our gifts with the whole world. So... I have enough chocolate for all of you, but I'll give it to you in the back. How's that sound? Shall we pray together? All right. If I pray, will you repeat it with me? Let's be excited. Let's share some enthusiasm. Dear God, thank you for our church, for each other, and for your joy. Help us to share our smiles, and our energy with everyone today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Great job. All right, let's go in the back and keep learning about God's love.
like to give just a brief introduction to the scripture which Rick will read for us today. The first lesson is a familiar story, paraphrased, out of the Gospel of John. It is the story of the raising of Lazarus. Now interestingly, this story is found only in John's Gospel. And there, it functions as a sort of narrative bridge, connecting Jesus' public ministry with the events of the final Passover and the events of Holy Week, culminating in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Like much of the Gospel of John, this story points repeatedly to the importance of believing in Jesus. In John's Gospel, this is always stated as an action. It's not about belief, it's about believing in Jesus. And the purpose of this story seems to be twofold. First, it leads people to believe in Jesus, but secondly, it accelerates the conflict between Jesus and the religious authorities and invites us <clears throat> to follow along as we prepare for all of the stories of Holy Week and Easter. 
The second lesson comes from the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, <clears throat> which is a part of a letter which the Apostle Paul wrote to first century Christians in Rome. Now, like all churches everywhere in every time, this was a community which struggled to stay together. They had plenty of reasons to argue. Some of them expected Jesus' imminent return, while others were in it for the long haul. <clears throat> and they were disputing about how they should worship, and what to eat, and what not to eat, and which laws were to be um, uh, upheld, and which could be ignored, how to spend their money, how to save their money, how to share their resources, who should lead the community, who should follow, and on and on. So, Paul writes to this community and tells them, let your love be genuine, or literally, you should love unhypocritically. And then, much like he does in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul lays out what that means. He takes away all of their excuses and points them instead in the direction of enthusiasm in their faith and enthusiasm in their caring for one another. Let's listen now as Rick reads the scriptures for us. Good morning, church. My name is Rick McGinnity. Please rise in body or in spirit for the reading of the scripture. The first scripture lessons today is a paraphrasing telling of Jesus raising of Lazarus from the gospel according to John chapter 11. Jesus had a friend whose name was Lazarus who fell ill. When Jesus heard about this, he didn't immediately respond. But after two days, he told his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Now the disciples thought this was not a good idea since people there had threatened Jesus' life. Do you wanna go back there where you know it is not safe? They asked him, but Jesus insisted saying, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I need to go wake him. Well, said the disciples, if he's only sleeping, he will wake up on his own. So Jesus had to be a little more direct. He told them, Lazarus is dead, but it is not the end for him. I am going to help him. Indeed, when Jesus arrived in Bethany, he found that Lazarus had died four days earlier. Jesus told those who were mourning, Lazarus will be raised up. I am right now, resurrection and life. Those who believe in me, even if they die, will live. So Jesus came to the place where they had laid Lazarus' body, a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone lying against it. Jesus said to the mourners, remove the stone. They objected saying, by this time, 
there will be quite a stench. He's been dead for four days. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Jesus prayed to God first, then shouted into the cave, Lazarus, come out. And out he came, wrapped in burial cloths from head to toe with a kerchief over his face. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. The second scripture is a reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 2 and verses 9 through 18 in the common English Bible version. Don't be conformed, conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic, be on fire in the spirit as you will serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourselves to prayer. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy to those who are happy and cry for those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and don't think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status. Don't think you're so smart. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions, but show respect for the, what everyone else believes is good. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. For the word of God, for the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among you, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Please join in singing the hymn of preparation.
seated. <clears throat> Grace and peace to you from God and from Jesus Christ who calls us into community this day. When I was a child, Saturday mornings were not about watching cartoons on television or playing tag with my sisters or bike riding with my best friend, Russell Ford. No, Saturday mornings at our house were all about work. Housework, yard work, homework, all of it seemed to land squarely on Saturday morning, every Saturday morning. I can see that some of you have had this same experience. Well, one day I decided I had had enough of this obvious injustice, this clearly oppressive parental subjugation. So I decided to come up with an excuse not just any old, I don't want to do it kind of excuse, but a real doozy. One that for sure would get me out of the workforce for the day. It would be an excuse to top all excuses. One which my two older sisters would envy for years to come. So I thought long and hard about this. And then I consulted the 1964 World Book Encyclopedia. This was long before the internet, you know, and there used to be these whole big books filled with information. <laughs> you see, I had remembered how my mom had told the story of her near death from appendicitis when she was a child. And I figured that memory would be enough to buy me a little maternal caution, if not some outright fear. So I found the first volume, which covered A to C, and I found appendicitis in it. This was even before WebMD. <laughs> so I was well prepared when my mother stopped to check on my chores. Oh, I said, I'm not feeling so good. I'm a little nauseous, and there's this stabbing pain right here in the lower right abdominal quadrant. <laughs> well, I knew it was going to work. Obviously, a sick child could not participate in the labor force, but would have to rest and relax in front of Bullwinkle and Rocky the Flying Squirrel, or Wiley the Coyote and Roadrunner. So all was right with the world as I luxuriated in the power of a well-crafted excuse until my father got home. Now he had been working that morning at his office, 35 minutes away, when mom called to tell him I was sick and she was worried. So he came home with the family's one car and bundled me up to take me back those same 35 minutes to the army hospital. All the while, muttering under his breath something that went like, you had better really be sick. <laughs> well, I didn't have appendicitis, but for a few minutes there, it looked like I was going to have a near-death experience. 
Well, excuses, excuses. We all make them, and we've all heard them. My dog ate my homework. The traffic was terrible. I can't use that one anymore. <laughs> the train was late, the bus never came, the Wi-Fi was down, I didn't have cell reception, I couldn't find my glasses, I didn't think you'd notice, I didn't think you'd mind, I didn't think anybody would care. Or then there's my personal favorite from comedian Steve Martin who says, how many times do we let ourselves get into terrible situations because we don't say, I forgot? Say you never paid taxes, or you've robbed a bank, or you've forgotten to do the dishes before dashing out the door. Just say, well, I forgot I had to pay taxes. I forgot it was illegal to rob the bank. <laughs> Excuses. The rationalizations that we make and the reasons we invent to defend our behavior or to cover up our failures. We make excuses to avoid taking action or to deny responsibility. And the problem is, even if they seem to work in the moment, they will not work forever. There is a price to be paid for a life of excuses. Excuses prevent us from reaching our fullest potential. Excuses blind us to new opportunities for growth, new chances for change, and new possibilities for our lives. And a lifetime of excuses, that will limit your belief system. It will make you vulnerable to paranoia. It will erect imaginary walls around an ever-decreasing comfort zone, and it will stifle your own native creativity. When Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb, there are those in the crowd who try to stop him. There will be a great stench, Jesus. He's already been dead for four days. If you really cared, you would have been here earlier. It's too late for him now. And Lazarus himself, what do you suppose was going on for him? He may have had a few excuses of his own. I'm all wrapped up in my burial clothes, Jesus. It's pretty snug and cozy in this cave, Jesus. Nobody is bothering me here. Nothing is worrying me. I'm resting in peace, Jesus. Maybe I'll just stay dead. Maybe I'll just pretend I don't hear you calling me back to life, Jesus. Well, my friends, Jesus is calling you this morning. Jesus is inviting you out of the dead places of your life, out of the dead spaces in your heart, because it is about time for all of us to fast from our excuses and to begin feasting instead on enthusiasm. Enthusiasm. The word itself comes from the Greek word ethenus. I can't say this very well. Ethenu, no, ethosiamos, something like that. Anyway, it comes from Greek, and the 
consists of two root words. One, theos, which means God, and the other, en, which means in. So that enthusiasm literally means God within. Think about it. When you are really enthusiastic about something, isn't it like you are being inspired by a force greater and beyond yourself? Enthusiasm is infectious, it's creative, it's outwardly focused, it may even be life-giving. Not so very long ago, Psychology Today reported on a recent study of over 9,000 employed adults. And they found that enthusiasm not only predicted general life satisfaction, it also predicted work satisfaction and whether or not a person viewed their work as a calling or simply as a job. This same study also found that enthusiasm, along with gratitude, hope, and love, were most strongly associated with life satisfaction than judgment or learning or professional development. Perhaps Waldo Emerson was on to something when he said, nothing great has ever been achieved without enthusiasm. I think the Apostle Paul would agree with that statement. Certainly the picture he paints of the Christian life is one infused with enthusiasm. He says, here's what I want you to do. Take your everyday ordinary life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to what is good. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. There are, depending on the English translation you use, as many as 30 imperatives in this short passage from Romans. It's obvious that Paul is not only addressing particular problems in Rome, he is lifting up a model of Christian community for any of us who would choose to follow the risen Christ. And you can almost hear Paul suggesting, don't try to do this alone. Christian community grew through enthusiasm. That power and presence of God within, which was shared from person to person and from community to community. Our own branch of the franchise, Methodism, took root and spread rapidly in this country, not because of some theological abstraction, but because of enthusiasm. Indeed, for the early Methodists, they were known as the enthusiastic ones. Not always all of that positively known, mind you. John Wigger, in his article, Taking Heaven by Storm, tells a part of our story. He says, the enthusiasm of early American Methodism appealed to a broad spectrum of Americans for at least two reasons. 
First, its emphasis on personal experience gave the marginalized, like women, the ability to exercise greater influence in the church. And secondly, it answered the yearning for a more direct contact with God in everyday life, as it gave freedom to individuals to engage in their own salvation. Enthusiastic religion offered a more interactive faith in which the believer and God work together to meet life's daily challenges. Early American Methodism grew because people got beyond their traditional ecclesiastical excuses. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not important enough. Instead, it engaged the people with an enthusiasm which said, God is in you and you are enough, period. You are enough. I am enough. Together we are enough because we are a part of the body of Christ, a body which does not need excuses when we have enthusiasm. When we recognize God is in us, there is no longer a need to rationalize or defend our behavior. There is no longer a desire to avoid taking action. There is no longer a reason to deny responsibility. There is no longer an urge to find someone else to blame. Enthusiasm not only takes heaven by storm, it sets the world on fire as well. Howard Thurman put it this way, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do that. What the world needs is people who have come alive. What the world needs is you and me hearing Jesus calling. What the world needs is us stepping out of our tombs, leaving behind our burial clothes of excuses. Now, I can't ever think about excuses, or for that matter, about enthusiasm, without remembering my seminary classmate, Dave. You see, I went to seminary at the Iliff School of Theology in Denver, Colorado, where new student orientation included a picnic at a campground up in the mountains, about an hour west of town. Students carpooled to the picnic, usually with four or five students to a car. The driver of my car was a native of Kansas named Kay. And one of the passengers hailed from Kansas named Dave. They were both awestruck by the beauty and the grandeur of the Rockies, having rarely, if ever, seen really big mountains before. And everything was lovely as we made our way up to the picnic as Kay hugged the right lane and slowly chugged up the steep incline. On the way back down, however, 
The car began to pick up more and more speed, and soon we were hurtling around curves and bends with what felt like an unwise abandon. At one point, I glanced over to see Dave gripping the door handle, knuckles as white as his face. Finally, he couldn't take it anymore, and he blurted out, stop the car, I've got to get out, God has great plans for me. <laughs> well, poor Dave never lived that down. Over the next three years, there were many opportunities for him to be reminded of those great plans in God's mind. They provided us with much fodder for teasing, much gentle prodding, and more than a little bit of humor. And yet, in that moment of panic-inspired honesty, that movement beyond any excuse to an embrace of the God within, we also glimpsed a bit of encouragement for all of us along the way. My friends, this morning what the world needs is for you and for me to come alive. The world needs us to fast from our excuses and to feast on God's enthusiasm because the truth is, God has great plans for us all. Thanks be to God. Amen. Giver, pain bearer, accompanier through all our days. 
Open our hearts to the notes of spring, the birds singing, the sun shining, the flowers blooming. The earth is full of your wonder, O God. And in the midst of spring, some days, we feast on excuses. They help us live in denial, denial of what we need to do or tend to, denial to help us cultivate the courage to move forward. But in our days of excuses, grant us the perspective to shift our excuses to constructive ways of tending to the things that are important in our lives. And help us notice your presence in our lives, nudging us on, cheering us on, loving us on. Even as we tend to our own lives, we hold all in our beloved community in prayer. For Marsha Fankhauser's cousin, for Janet and husband Barry, for Janet and Valerie and Jerry, for Rachel and Christopher, Gay Johnson's sister and brother-in-law, Deb Lester's sister, Donna and husband Bill, Daryl and David and Debbie, for Randy Warner's brother Jim, for June and Brianna and Gary, Bob, Cheryl, Linda Gucker and Captain Carolyn Joe, for Deb Moritz and brother David, for Howard, Donovan, and George. Wrap these beloveds in your care and healing love. We pray for their caregivers and healthcare professionals, as well as their loved ones. Bless and protect them from harm's way and nurture their love of one another. We also pray for those who are mourning today, for the friends and family of David Danielson, Jean Will, Beth Kraft, Laura Siebens, and the friends and family of Andrew Hershey. Bless these beloveds with your peace, O God. May memories of their beloveds continue to bless them with joy and renewed love. In these early days of spring, it can sometimes be easy to forget the suffering and chaos around our country and world. And today we pray in particular for the division of our country, and we pray for those who sow division. May your love and justice prevail, O God, and may all our hearts be turned toward one another so that we may consider the needs of our neighbors in all our thinking and doing. We also pray for places of war and violence, in particular in Ukraine and Palestine. God, bring down the unjust powerful and lift up the lowly so that your peace may abound. And we pray for the many places affected by the climate crisis for natural disasters that are upending people's lives and for food shortages due to droughts. God, help us be helpers and accompany those suffering. As we journey together, wrap us in your enthusiasm to love and serve one another. We pray these prayers and all the prayers we hold in our hearts 
In the name of your Son, in whose name we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial. Deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Friends, I invite us into a time of giving, and as the ushers come forward in the sanctuary, we can give in a few ways today. We can give in person through the plate. We can give online at edmundsumc.org give, or we can always mail a gift to the church at 828 Casper Street, Edmonds, Washington, 98020. I invite us to give with generous hearts to support the ministries of this church.
give you thanks for these gifts as embodiments of our love in community we offer in all kinds of ways with our time and our service, our presence and our witness. God, we ask that you bless all of them that they may be for this community a symbol of your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, you may be seated. We have a few announcements for you today. First, we have Holy Week coming up starting next Sunday with Palm Sunday and then a series of services during the week starting on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday all at 7 o'clock in the evening, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. Uh, in particular, we want to highlight the Holy Saturday service. Uh, if you've never been to it, it's our family-friendly service. It has a lot of skits. So you have to come ready for participation. Uh, we tell the story of God's people through time. And so we invite you to join us uh, all through the week for different services as we tell the story uh, of Jesus' final days. Uh, on Easter Sunday in particular, for those who attend this service, the service is at 11 o'clock. Uh, given the higher attendance at Easter, we usually try to clear the parking lot and we need a little bit of time for that. So our Easter Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our next announcement is about our uh, series that begins next Sunday on Palm Sunday called Aging Well with Positivity and Planning. Last Sunday, you heard from our, one of our lay leaders from Lynn about the importance of planning, but also of sometimes we just don't know where to begin. And so our Stephen Ministry and our congregational care team are putting together this series. They'll be providing lunch. Uh, and so we invite you on April 2nd, April 16th, April 23rd, and May 7th. Now, if you need more information, Lynn and Ron will have that information for you, as well as in the bulletin, there's a little blurb. Uh, if you haven't signed up, and this sounds very appealing to you, which it should, uh, we invite you to show up. And if you have uh, a moment to just let them know that you're coming, that would be helpful. But all are invited, and we hope that these will provide you with resources to think uh, with the end in mind. And finally, uh, actually not finally, we have Easter lily forms uh, that are in your bulletin. Uh, they're due back to the office by Monday, April 3rd, two Mondays from now. And uh, they're $12, which is usually the price for the lilies. On Easter Sunday, they will be up front. They're usually in memory of a loved one who's passed away or in honor of a loved one who's still living that you would like to honor. And we usually print those in the bulletin on Easter Sunday. And on Easter, you can take your lilies home or uh, give them to someone you're thinking about or uh, possibly if it's in memory of someone uh, to a grave where they are uh, buried. And finally, we have Parents' Day out coming up next Sunday as well from 1 to 5 p.m. If you have a young one in your life who uh, could benefit from being around some of our staff and volunteers for an afternoon on Sunday, April 2nd, know that Parents' Day out is next Sunday. Final announcement is about Earth Electric Earth Sunday from Gala. Good morning, church. My name is Gayla Shoemake, and I'm here for the Advocates for Justice Environment. We're, I'm going to talk to you about Electric Earth Sunday, which is April 30th this year. 
you have may, may have seen a notice in the e-news, and thank you to those of us who, those of you who send me a notice from e-news. I see some shaking heads. Thank you very much. Those of you who have been at EUMC for quite a while know that we have an Earth Sunday every year in April. It depends upon our our calendar, our church calendar, and this year it's April 30th. We're looking at many things uh, electrical this year, and we're hoping that you all will consider purchasing electrical if you're thinking about doing any purchasing. One of our items of great interest to us is automobiles, because as you know, cars are one of the worst polluters in our climate change problems. So to encourage those of you who might be contemplating a new car or a different car, we are asking members of the congregation who already have a hybrid or electric car to bring it on April 30th and to allow other people to look at your car and to ask questions about it. We're also asking owners of cars that are 15 years or older to bring those. We're calling those vintage cars because keeping your car for a long time is also good because when you get a new car, it uses up and gives out carbon when you build a new car. So sometimes it's about the same keeping your old car than getting a new electric car. So what I'm asking you to do is to let us know what your car is, how old it is, and if you're willing to let somebody look at your car, and if you're willing to answer questions on April 30th. Thank you again. There's a notice in the e-news, and I'm going to be out in the narthex after the service to get the names and cars of those that haven't already sent them in. And thank you for all the work you're doing, and thank you for all of those of you who have hybrid and electric cars. Thank you. Thank you, Gayla. Friends, I invite you to rise in body or spirit for our closing hymn.
My friends, hear those words. Come out, be unbound, and bloom. It's time to fast from our excuses. It's time to start living the enthusiasm of the God within. May the peace of Christ be with us all. Amen.